Welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal, showcasing stories from outstanding business people by FL Montreal. Dan Delmar and Euros Malekic of FL is sitting in for Mike Newton this week. Hello, welcome back, Euros. Thanks, Dan. Always happy to be back on. Another millennial show, and we have another tech leader in Montreal, Johnny Salibi of the Sovgald app. And it's a really interesting business uh, in a market um, in Montreal that's very eco-conscious, of course, and also very into reducing food waste. We're seeing more and more of these businesses, and Sovgald helps consumers uh, find uh, produce that is, um, you know, pretty much good to go, but is uh, maybe a day or two away from being expired. People can then uh, get these baskets at uh, their local supermarkets and save a ton of cash. For sure, and I think you know, often when we think about food waste, you know, you're looking at your own household and saying, "Oh, well, I'm not wasting any food," but you're not taking it further and looking at the the grocery stores, the suppliers that are making the food and selling the food. And I think that's where there's a big dollar amount of uh, of waste that that occurs that could be uh, saved through through the services of this app, which is very interesting. And I'm excited to hear what Johnny has to say about it. And I'm glad we're doing this on Halloween weekend because, as I've said on the CJD airwaves many times, uh, pumpkins are food. Uh, you can eat them as well as use them for decoration. Just saying, they're pumpkins are food. Okay, uh, let's go to current affairs uh, first, Euros, and uh, let's talk about hiring. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, finding the best financing for your business in a second, which Johnny's going through. But on the hiring front, what is the best guide for you? Uh, do you try to someone? Do you try to promote? From, from the inside? Is that the best thing to do when times are tough or we could be heading into a recession? Or is that the best time to look elsewhere and to hire someone new? Um, what, what's your advice on, on hiring? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Dan. I think, uh, uh, you know, there's the notion of being a talent versus having a skill. And the difference there, I mean, oftentimes th those two terms are used interchangeably because the the result is uh the performance which is relatively similar uh, if you're talented or have developed a skill but a talent is a is a natural aptitude aptitude it's something that you're you're born with if you will um and i think when we look at hiring or promoting um you know it, it's important to combine and marry those two aspects and saying okay you have your talented team members but you you also have those that have developed the skill sets to be in the positions that they're in. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of promoting from, from within. Of course, if you need a particular skill set where you don't have that talent base in-house, you, you may be forced to look uh, outside of your four walls. And I think that that's perfectly fine. Where you need to be careful is sometimes who's giving the training, which is what this article talks about, Dan. And it actually showed there was a jobless study that, that showed that nearly 70% of respondents prefer to be managed by an internal hire versus an external person. And, and the reason being that they, they know what that uh, individual put in in terms of work in order to be in that position. I mean, you, you think of, uh, you know, growing up and if you had a best friend, there was a natural athlete, right? They could, they could achieve uh, much more and put in less work. Um, and this is important to understand because as leaders, we, we sometimes uh, choose the natural aptitude person to train new employees. And the problem that could arise with something like that is that 
these uh, natural talents won't understand why their trainees are slow to learn. It takes time to develop uh, a, a skill set, and the, perhaps the relatability isn't going to be there between the lead person and their team. So you, you need to be a good leader that is able to identify your team's weaknesses, uh, the blind spots. But also what's very important, Dan, is to play on individual strengths. And I think that's something that often lacks um, you know, we, we very often will just take anybody that lifts their hand to do a specific role or task. Uh, whereas if we took the time to, uh, you know, used our self-awareness, of course, and took the time to identify the best player for a particular role, it, it'll be better in the long term for everybody. Uh, I mean, think of a sports team in basketball, you're not going to have the point guard that's going to play uh, center. In football, you're not going to have the quarterback that's going to be your receiver. So there's there's particular positions for a reason, and everyone has a, a position and role. And if they work together to achieve the, the common goal of the team, it, it should all uh, work out, hopefully. One study point you mentioned there that I want to highlight, because I, I don't think it's been mentioned on the show ever in, in 14 years, the fact that employees themselves actually want to see someone promoted from within as opposed to having an outside hire. So it's probably not the, not to say that's that's the only consideration, but it's it's certainly a consideration. And uh, also Euros uh, provides a certain motivational factor. I mean, it's uh, I just in my experience, I would rather um, promote people internally and, uh, you know, give give managerial responsibilities to those that want them. What about that eternal question of culture fit versus skill? Do you find things are leaning more these days towards culture a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. And I think a big uh, part of the, the reason why is um, because we've been so somewhat away from the office where that culture is fostered and built, um, you know, to some may, maybe not across all industries, you know, th those uh, businesses that require people to come in even during the pandemic perhaps were able to foster some sort of culture that they had established already. Uh, in a better fashion versus those businesses that really had most of their talent uh, outside of the office. It's hard to nurture that remotely. Uh, so this is why I think, you know, a, a lot of businesses are, are, are trying without being uh, offensive uh, nor aggressive in pushing uh, their team members to come back to the office to kind of revitalize that that culture. So culture is always going to be important. It's got to be tagged to the values uh, of the business that you're you're operating, and, and skills, you know, is a big part of the the profitability and the success of your business. So you can't lose sight of that either. It's a good point on the culture being sort of a symptom of the the times, and uh, I suppose. Uh, overcompensating a bit is necessary if we're we're all hybrid or some of us are totally digital. What's a good culture activity? Um, I, I'm asking because you know we need one. Uh, we're planning one this fall. <laughs> uh, what's a good culture activity for uh, for remote teams? Would you say you know what's what's something good if you are a remote business to keep everyone involved? This is how I'll answer that, Dan. I would say if, you know, unless you're General Motors, um, and I'm saying that more to, to exemplify a, a big scale company with, you know, uh, hundreds and, and, and then thousands of, of employees, um, what's important is to know who you're working with and ask them what they would like. I think that everyone is different, right? What, what would be fun and interesting to me 
may not be fun and interesting to you. Uh, you know, you may have a puppy at home and you have certain obligations to, to deal with uh, at home. Uh, you know, some other person might have, you know, two kids in daycare that they got to go pick up and they're not interested in that uh, supper get together or whatever. So I, I think the way I'd answer that is, is basically listen to your team members and speak to them, communicate, see what it is that would make them happy. And, and then from there, generate an idea. I don't think that there's one answer for every single team. Do you like uh, those group activities, you know, like games, like trust exercises and stuff like that? Or is that passe? Is, is that kind of cheesy these days? Um, I wouldn't say I dislike them. Um, I, I just think that, you know, uh, it could be perhaps a good tool to kind of, from a generic standpoint, identify, you know, if there's, it's a, it's a conversation starter, if you will, in, in my eyes. And I think uh, from there, it's really just... Uh, figuring out again, you know, what people enjoy and if that's, and, and what are your values for the business? And, you know, once you've identified that and tying that to the culture and, and how people can relate, like whether you're, you know, going to set up a game uh, that's going to be remote or in person, or if you're going to go out to a restaurant or if you're going to do a coffee, or if you're going to do one-on-ones, some people may prefer that you do a one-on-one versus if you're bringing a team together that's been disconnected for the last two years and you're expecting them to communicate and, and have a blast, you know, you might be in for a surprise. So I think sometimes doing the one-on-ones first, uh, assessing, you know, what the dynamics are and then reacting from there is, is probably the better approach. Our, our producer of the program, Marjorie, says no more escape rooms, please. Um, yeah, probably the axe throwing too. I, I don't know if I would do the axe throwing anymore. That may have also been a fad. Yeah, I'm not. I've I've never done those, and you probably wouldn't want to have me try doing those things at your events. That's for sure. Uh, on a more serious note, our guest today, uh, Johnny Salibi of Sovgald App, they uh, they have to get funding. They have to raise money. Um, they uh, they do have some support um, out of Concordia's uh, District Three uh, startup fund, but of course you have to go out and knock on doors. And this piece from Entrepreneur.com: How to find the right VC to fund your business. Um, going from idea to execution, uh, we're going to talk about this later in the program, uh, Euros, but obviously, you know, you're an accountant, you have to have your numbers correct. And, uh, you know, it, it strikes uh, us as, as funny sometimes when we see on these reality shows when people are asked by a dragon or something, you know, what's your, what's your profit margin or what's your, what's your, you know, what are your, what's your bottom line? And they're like, I, they don't really know sometimes. Um, what's, what's some of those first steps? Yeah. So, you know, when you don't know your stuff and you're asking for money, to me, it just smells like de desperation, right? So I think you got to come in prepared and and understand that you want to be in a position of power when you're having these uh, these discussions, and and not not in a in an aggressive way, but just from a, a confidence standpoint, is you want to know what you're dealing with and why you're asking for the money. So the first thing I, I would say to someone asking for money is, what are you going to do with that money? You know, what is the the return on on investment? What's the plan? Uh, where are you going to put it towards? Or have you had a track record of uh, you know putting it uh, putting it onto something similar and it hasn't worked out, and now you're just asking for more, digging a, a deeper hole. I think oftentimes people also don't uh, know when to pull the plug on a, on a particular project that 
that isn't uh, six, succeeding. Um, you know, you got to establish milestones uh, for, for where, and I know we spoke about that on a, on a show a, a few episodes ago, but you have to establish milestones for your projects and understand where you need to be by which point in time to not uh, be in trouble. And then react from there, you know, foreshadow uh, what you need to do in order to avoid those those problems. So Euros, uh, another young uh, millennial-run company. I'm really excited to get to the Sovgald app and founder John Salibi. Johnny, welcome to CJD. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to introduce our project. Our pleasure. So let's begin with the easiest question, please. What is Sovgald? All right. So uh, essentially, uh, we launched this app which aims to reduce food waste by creating a digital marketplace uh, for surplus food between merchants and consumers. And we can find a variety of different uh, merchants like uh, restaurants, cafes, bakeries, uh, grocery stores. Um, and essentially, the app is uh, used by these retailers to sell their surplus uh, at a discount to individuals in order to not only reduce their waste, but also reduce their, their losses and help build a new customer uh, base uh, and for the consumer, obviously, this helps uh, helps them save money uh, where, because they can buy perfectly good food at low prices. And obviously, of course, the, the planet benefits from reduced carbon footprint related to, to less waste. So it's a win-win model that we built uh, for everyone. I want you to hit us with some numbers. Uh, Euros, I'll have you jump in in a sec. But Johnny, you know, how much food is wasted right now at the average grocery store? Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, Canada-wide, it's about 11.2 million times of, of food waste uh, on an annual basis here in Canada, which is pretty alarming, uh, given that this is actually one of the easiest ways to reduce uh, um, a carbon uh, footprint in, in the environment. So um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty alarming numbers. And that, that's essentially one of the reasons why I built this app. Um, uh, I mean, amongst other reasons, but uh, like these numbers came out in 2020, they, they related to 2019 uh, uh, in Canada. Um, and so I, I, and nothing existed for merchants that are, you know, the mom and pop shops. They had, we had some things, uh, some apps that were for bigger grocery stores, bigger grocery chains, but we didn't have anything for the local mom and pop shops. So I wanted to build something, uh, from scratch. Uh, and, uh, also what drove me more was, uh, last, actually, sorry, two years ago, I, uh, I got my, my, my daughter. And that kind of propelled me to uh, create this uh, this this tool for for these merchants uh, to use to help reduce food waste, and and uh, that's that's where I am today now. Congrats on your daughter, by the way, uh, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, very happy to have you on, on the show. Of course, in terms of your background, is is this something like had you developed uh, an app prior to this? Was this the first app that you developed? Do you have any program? Like, was there programming ex experience involved? How, how did well, that all come to light? I I don't have a, a, a tech background. I have more of a financial background. Um, but this was an idea that I had lingering in the back of my mind for years. Um, so, um, I mean, I, I, like, I researched a lot on different frameworks to use for developments. Uh, so I did a bit of research, a bit of uh, a little bit of uh, learning. So that was, uh, that was uh, obviously took some time, but I'm, I'm in any, no means uh, like any expert on that, but uh, so yeah, I had to interview a lot of developers and, and try to gain uh, insight on, you know, because I don't have a tech background, I kind of look for different traits, um, like how structured they are in their thought process and, and, and how organized they are. So 
I was looking for developers like that to help me build this program. Okay. And in terms of like what, that whole process that like once you've found the person that was going to help you work on this, how long, like just so we can give the audience an idea, like how long does something like that take? And, and I'm, I'm not saying to have that finished product, but something that you can then take and present to, I guess you went to suppliers first before. Yes, that was my, my first two um, was to do a survey, market survey, market research to just try to research uh, and ask different vendors. So doing door to door in Montreal and I also went into Quebec City. Uh, and just to get an idea of what did the what what do merchants do with their food waste today? So I um, I did that, and most of the time, you know, the feedback that I got was that merchants would either throw it away, give it away, or you know, they would try to sell it at a discount, uh, and they didn't have uh, a tool like this that can help them alleviate um, their their for their food surplus. So yeah, that's that was sort of like the the backstory of it. Yeah, it's interesting when you say like so uh, like there's no they didn't have anything like that that existed before in montreal are you aware like in any geographic other geographical areas yeah, well look i didn't reinvent the wheel i know that this uh idea existed uh in europe heavily in, in europe with apps uh various different apps um so i kind of wanted to bring that concept into montreal but with like a little um i guess i wouldn't say twist but you know i made it more merchant centric um uh, you know because the apps that they have in Europe, and now they're actually some of them are in in in, in North America. Their apps, I study their business model, and they're great and all. But I just wanted to make it more centered towards the merchants, where they can kind of pick and choose their prices that they want. I didn't want to have annual fees. I wanted to make it more of a tool versus a sort of membership, or um, you know, where they're kind of forced to sell a certain amount at a minimum. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to make it like an open platform, an open marketplace for these merchants. They can use it whenever they want. Um, you know, there's, like I said, there's no annual fees. So, you know, they use it whenever they want. And when I did the market research, you know, like it's, it wasn't every day that these stores had surplus. It happened sporadically. So that's why I, I, I built it in that, in that way. In terms of the local market for, uh, for recycling food, we did have a loop on the show. Loop Mission, which is really an interesting company. Do you find yourself in competition for supply? Is it is it is it that good? Is is the situation that productive at this point? I mean, it's it's there's no the whole point of of Solvigal is not to exist. Okay, I, I said that before. This is just like a sort of like a, a tool that merchants can use if they have waste and they don't know what to do with it. Uh, so it gives them visibility on on the app. But the more of these startups, more of these companies that are in the same sort of ideology of, of Solgal, where we're trying to help the environment, I'm all for it. And, and we try to encourage um, other local initiatives as well that have the same sort of concepts um, because there's no one solution that you need a multitude of solutions to come together and, and to um, help uh, alleviate this problem. It's a worldwide problem. So there's no, there's no such thing as a one solution that can fix it all. And there's no real resistance from any suppliers, I guess. I mean, they have like you're you're finding a way to assist them in, in not having food go to waste, exactly. right? So, it's, it's have like you ever different. have you ever encountered Johnny like some resistance from a supplier that didn't want to? I mean, look, it's a it's a new concept for a lot of a lot of merchants, and some some merchants are more old school, and some aren't, and 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 so you kind of have to plant the idea, plant the seed, because. You know, there's a shortage shortage of staff, also, right? So that's that's the challenge that you know 
these merchants are, are facing. And, and they're all for reducing food waste. None of them are, are you know, love to throw away food. No one, no one likes that. So, uh, I mean, they're open for the idea. It's just that sometimes, you know, it happens that they don't have enough staff to help for this app. And that's why we made it super easy, super easy to use. Uh, it's like literally one click and then they can upload their stuff. And that's why when we surveyed it for these merchants, like we made sure that, uh, that it was super easy for these merchants to use and, 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 and now they're, and most of them are using it. So it's good. And from a, like the user standpoint, just so, so everyone's aware it's this food meets the, the food regulations, right? I think that's maybe like right. a Christmas. Yes. No, no. So the types of foods that we can find on the app are, um, we'll find things that obviously whatever the store is selling, you can find it also in the app. It's just, the app is just to give them more visibility, but you can find things that are non-perishable goods that are past the best before date. Things like, you know, dried goods, pastas, canned goods, uh, where they can go well beyond their best before dates. And we'll have uh, perishable goods that are approaching their best before dates. Uh, it, it won't be past the best before date for, for perishables. Um, and also, like, for instance, you'll, you'll go to, uh, on the app, you'll find a bakery and you can find surprise bags uh, where, you know, you're getting, uh, you know, a mixed bag of baked goods, could be bread, could be pastries. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're getting something from a, a bakery shop. So, Johnny, we're talking about uh, how this app is evolving. You know, you're, you're in a, a place in Montreal that's very eco-conscious, a lot of businesses. Um, I mentioned Loop, which is a past episode, totally different model than yours, but they are also tackling the same problem. Uh, I would uh, urge our listeners to check out that episode. I really loved uh, their marketing as well. Um, this, is, this is a tough business. How do you make money, frankly? I mean, how, and, and can, this, can these sort of um, waste reduction businesses make money in such a competitive tech environment? It's a very good question. So uh, the way we make money is that we take a small percentage uh, per transaction. And, and it, the business model in itself, it's, it's a very scalable business. So in order for it to be profitable, it needs to also scale out, uh, which is what we're doing. We launched in, in September of last year, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, we were about 30 participants, uh, and now we're close to 300 uh, over a year later. Uh, and, and we're also located in Quebec City, in Sherbrooke, Ottawa, and we're heading our way to Toronto uh, soon. Uh, so like I said, it's a scalable business. The model is uh, profitable if we scale out because it's a small, it's a very small percentage to cover, uh, you know, the, the operations of the app and, and the transaction fees, obviously. So that's how we, uh, we generate revenue. And scaling that forward, I mean, in terms of expansion, like you, you said, Montreal, other areas that you've tackled so far that make most sense, how's that uh, been progressing it's uh, like uh, so uh, yeah it's been progressing i mean uh, <laughs> we're we're seeing a lot of uh transactions going on in, in in various parts of uh like those cities that i mentioned so but i guess do you, do you go like do you look at the demographics like you study you take a look at in terms of metrics which users are downloading the app uh, and then kind of try and extrapolate that i yeah. imagine to yeah. other areas well, we, We'll we'll have some uh, marketing ads, and I, I think uh, the demographics for our 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 app is essentially people that are very eco conscious and people that um, are you know you know want to save money as well, right? So so those are the two sort of uh, demographics that we we go for, and you know that it's a it's a moving tr- it's a it's a trend right now to be very eco conscious, to be environmentally friendly. So it's a big wave going on, and I think. Uh, um, you know, people are more sensitive to the issue. And, and, and with Sofgal, we, we also, in our social media, 
uh, we try to sensitize uh, our, our our users, our followers, on you know being more eco friendly. And so that's that's one of the uh, that's one of the pillars, right? And in terms of like food waste, I think the edible food waste was something like I think you said fifty billion Canadian dollars, right? Yeah, which is yeah. a big impact that an app like yours could make. I, I, there's no question about that. And in terms of making money, I mean, you, you prove the concept in one area, and uh, and then it's something you can fairly easily, I think, from what you've already developed, mirror in another uh, area, right? The fifty billion is actually we're not uh, focusing on 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 that. We're focusing like if you look at the the scale of of where food waste happens, a lot of it is in production and manufacturing. There's also in the uh, consumer section, which is about uh, 20%. And we're focused on 30%, which is retailers, uh, you know, like I said, restaurants, cafes, bakeries. So it's only about 30% of the, of the food waste that our app is targeting. Still a massive amount of, uh, of dollars in the grand scheme of things. Of course, that, of course. Yeah. And, and I think anyone... I like the answer you gave before. There's no specific age necessarily where someone wants to to help. Uh, oh yeah, our demographic is really is really open for. Uh, like I said, it's it's kind of divided into two: people that want to save money, people that want to help the environment. Our objective at Solgad is not only to to market surplus through through our our application, but also to measure the impact of the initiative. And and so far, we've saved uh, close to seven tons of food waste. Uh, and so that's equivalent to about 70 flights, round trips from Montreal to Toronto. And also another objective that we have is that we try to create awareness, like I mentioned earlier, uh, on food surplus issues amongst uh, amongst people at home, you know, through our social media and, and things that we can do, little tricks uh, that you can do at home to, to help uh, alleviate from the problem. Johnny, uh, the timing is really great. Uh, Marjorie, um, our producer, uh, timed this interview really well because it is Halloween weekend. And for years on CJD, as my, as my listeners of the old evening show remember, I had this thing where I would be just really upset at all the pumpkins wasted. And I don't understand why we have to waste so much pumpkin. Are there any giant food categories where there's pumpkins, bananas, stuff at grocery stores that you're just shocked at just how much we throw out? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, you some people actually do like some dump, dumpster diving and, they, and they, they see it and they take pictures and they post about it. Uh, it's 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 ridiculous, um, the amount of food that gets wasted in, and especially in grocery stores. Pumpkin is food, people. I just want to remind you that, you know, with some roasted red pepper, it's a great soup. You can actually carve it out for Halloween and also eat it. And it's great. It's great in a latte, too, Dan. I know you're not a fan of that, but <laughs> it is good. Trust me. But um, Johnny, I had one, one other question in terms of the, the application. Is this something that you could see? tying into like a delivery service? Because at the moment, there's no, it's not tied there's to delivery. There's no delivery, you're right. And currently uh, we try to encourage users to go and, you know, walk to the store and, and, and it creates foot traffic into the store. But I think eventually we're going to explore, we started to explore the idea, but uh, it's still very early and, and eventually maybe we'll get into that. Let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about tech for a second in terms of your long-term growth. How could eventually an app like Sylvgald be incorporated into people's shopping habits. You know, we're all shopping with with sort of various on-demand services, uh, Uber, uh, IGA, Voila, and all that. Wouldn't it be nice to integrate this in, all into one one platform? It's a, it's a, it would be a fantastic, uh, <laughs> but it's just, a, it, there's so many apps out there. People are, are, you know, I think they're just overwhelmed with so many apps. So the only thing we can do is just try to promote us as much as possible 
uh, try to get, uh, you know, awareness on food waste as much as possible and, and hope for the best, really. Um, Johnny, let's talk about your childhood now, uh, as is the case with many entrepreneurs. I can relate. Uh, there's something in you from childhood that's been driving this business. What is it in your case? Well, uh, so I, I was born in a Middle Eastern uh, household. And when I was young, it was always uh, it was frowned upon to throw away food. And, and so I think like middle, uh, like any Mediterranean family or household, I think it's more it's cultural uh, not to, you know, food is uh, it, it's what brings people together. And so throwing it away, I think, is uh, is, is the reason why uh, it was very frowned upon. Um, and so I was always aware of this problem. And when the stats came out in 2020, I, I uh, I, you know, alarms start to, to, to sound in my head and, and it's a, it's a real issue and it's not just an issue here. It's an issue worldwide and fighting food waste is actually one of the easiest ways to fight climate change. So, um, and like I mentioned to you guys earlier, that having my daughter uh, two years ago kind of changed my perspective and, uh, it motivated me to create something that would really have a positive impact on the environment. Who's the team behind this uh, that's working with you, Johnny, in, in terms of like, do, how, do you have a certain amount of people that you're working with on this other than the, the app yeah, developer? We have, we have some business developers. We have some developers. Uh, we have uh, actually a group that is joining us from uh, university students that are helping us with the marketing that they're going to start joining soon. So you got to be creative and young and <laughs> I'm close to my 40s now. And it's uh, it's not always easy to come up with uh, creative ideas. So. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting some some help, and uh, but yeah, we're we're roughly around ten people on this project. And how's that been? And I mean, navigating through the you know the last couple of years, I'm sure has been interesting to say the least. Uh, with the team, uh, I guess growing. I know since uh, since March, I think you were uh, you mentioned the expansion in Gatineau and Quebec City and Sherbrooke. Um, so how, how has that whole ride been with the team? It's been fun. It's been very exciting. And um, I think I wouldn't have been able to do it without having a strong support system. I'm also part of uh, um, an incubator, District 3. It's part of Concordia. And they mentor you. Uh, they give you guidance. And, and they, you know, they even provide like subject matter experts on, on certain things. Um, so it's a good support system. Um, they teach you a lot of things. Uh, even when I was, uh, you know, I had the idea and wanted to make it into, you know, an actual product, an actual app, they, they help with the conceptualizing it too. So, so I think you need to have help. Um, and uh, it's been a fun ride. It's been really, it's, it's a humbling experience. I think everyone should go through it. And uh, it's, 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 it's like having my second child, essentially. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like two startups going on at the same time for me. So it's, it's a fun ride. Johnny Salibi of the Sylvgald app. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Johnny. We'll have your one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about young entrepreneurs going from idea to cash to financing. Nick Vasilis joins us. He's a manager at Le Groupe Fleur Landau, and he's here to talk about how to get something started if you're a young thanks entrepreneur. Thanks for having me, Nick, Dan. welcome. No worries. So let's begin uh, with the idea stage because a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of ideas. Euros, uh, I'm sure you can testify to this. How do you bring an idea into the real world? What's the first thing? Uh, actually, yours, if you want to weigh in on this, what, what, what would be the first thing, uh, Euros, then Nick, if you have an idea, then proceed to execution? What's your first move? Well, to me, once you have the idea, I think you need to prove that idea. And, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, I know Nick's going to get into the financing of it all, which is extremely uh, important as well. But 
I think before even going there and accepting money from from anybody, uh, you you got to kind of prove that concept. It's nice to have an idea, but to understand the market, who you're going to be selling that good or service or idea to is extremely important. And I think on that note, Nick, I mean, uh, borrowing costs, we all know, are super high. Times are tough. It's not easy to find cash to start. So maybe tell us, how does someone who has that itch to start something begin? So. Yeah, exactly. Basically, having that idea is one step. And uh, starting and getting going is a whole other can of worms. So where do we start? We need the money. And financing is a key aspect of any business startup or any business in general. So there are a few options, especially ones that are brand new, so to speak. Um, We can look at government bodies. So we could look at grants, subsidies, different types of uh, government arms, such as the Investissement Quebec offer different types of financing, depending on information provided and industry you're in. Uh, There's also EDC as well. So there's the government side of things. You could also go on the side of angel investors, investment capital firms, where they invest into your company. And in return, there's some sort of ownership or equity that is foregone on the business side and the ownership side, which can be risky, but adds a little bit of a little credibility to your business. So having those two options are key. And then the third one that tends to be the most traditional one, but maybe a little bit difficult to get when you're a brand new company is the traditional banking financing. So having that option is there, but they tend to be a little more risk averse when it comes to brand new companies and startups. So Going down that avenue is possible, but a lot of information will be required. So on that note, coming prepared, um, we, we all know is like a huge thing, especially on the latter side of, of obtaining financing with a traditional financial institution. And mind you, with any source of financing, they're going to want to see some information. So tell us, uh, Nicholas, what type of common uh, asks uh, are, are, are present when, when you're approaching someone to obtain money? Yeah. So the common ones are ones generally known. So you'll have your traditional financial statements. So your balance sheet, which presents your assets, your liabilities, any type of equity or whatever has been put in by the owner shares or whatnot. That is usually based on historical information and other information we'd have is also profit and loss statements. So how much you're making on an annual basis, how much you're spending, what's your net profit at the end of the day. Those are the two key pieces of information. And then the third one that tends to be very important and gives an idea of where you are, where you've been, and where you're going is the cash flow. So where's the money coming from? Where's the money going? Can you pay back any financing if there is a financing opportunity available? Because this cash flow basically outlines how and when and where you can pay back any type of money that has been owed to you. So having those three key pieces of information are important. And another little piece of information or key tidbit is to make sure they have some credibility because it's easy to draft up and put those numbers together, but having a little bit of credibility behind it would help. So getting a professional or a CPA or an accountant to help you carve the way make you understand line by line what needs to be input, what needs to be 
included, what should be excluded is very important. And it adds a little credibility when you bring them those pieces of information to your financiers, whoever it may be. And it makes it a little easier to get that financing. We all know, Dan, when, you know, when we've all watched those Dragon's Den and Shark Tank episodes where they're, they're sitting in front of the panel and they get asked the question about their business and they can't answer it. That's a big no-no, right, Nicholas? A very, very big no-no. Not something uh, you, you need any type of backup. It can't be something where you just show up and here, I just need the money. Please provide it. There's always got to be some sort of backing. And, and I think that's a, a very much like that in a lot of things in life. You got to almost, you know, when you're when you're trying to sell something in a way to someone, you got to come the most prepared in the room um, because people are going to be counting on, on you to, to explain certain things to them. And if you don't know that, well, they're not going to have that confidence uh, in your business nor in you. And that's going to be a, a problem for sure. Nick Vasilis with the group Fuller Landau. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for having me again. And as we come to the end of the show, let's ask our entrepreneur, Johnny Salibi of the Sovgald app for his one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs. Johnny, what do you think? So my, my key takeaway for any sort of uh, entrepreneur that wants to build something is to build something that matters, build something that has a good cause, something that we can pay forward to our society for our future uh, generations, something that essentially gives purpose because uh, this will essentially give you that extra drive, the extra resilience, because you will need it uh, to, to work harder. And uh, essentially, my last, my second piece of advice is to really have a strong support system. Like I mentioned to you earlier, I'm part of uh, District 3, which is an incubator in Montreal. Uh, and and also have a, a, a support system with other local initiatives. Uh, so try to collaborate with them and, and align your ideologies, uh, obviously. Um, so having, you know, support local also is a long, it goes a long way. And, uh, I think finally I was lucky enough to have a, a really supportive wife. So, uh, that always helps. <laughs> You're also all about the support system. Any final thoughts on our entrepreneur today? Um, total in total agreement with Johnny. I think the support system is huge and Johnny, once again, congratulations to you. to you and your family for, for the, the, your the two-year-old. I we didn't find out if it was a boy or a girl. The girl. Well, congratulations, and uh, I wish you all the best. And I think that support system, even you know, with the that's where it starts with the family. And I think, like you said, that gave you uh, an important spark to to start something that's going to help uh, everybody else. So good on you. Thanks for joining us, and I'm looking forward to the next uh, show, Dan. Thanks very much, Euros. Thanks, Johnny. Take care. Johnny Salibi of the Sovgald app. And don't forget, uh, well, actually, next week's uh, guest is going to be pretty interesting, Euros. Kind of going from new school to old school, an old school uh, restaurant and food entrepreneur, George Kiris from Gloop Commensal. Uh, yes, he acquired that uh, old vegetarian brand and made it into a very new modern retail and uh, frozen food operation. A reminder, you can subscribe to Inspiring Entrepreneurs in Montreal as a podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite platform. And you can also log on to the website, inspiringentrepreneursmtl.com, for hundreds of local entrepreneur profiles over the last 14 years. See you back here next week. Good talk.